it is incredibly, incredibly important, especially if you're early on, to establish incredible relationships with people who already have a track record. One of the things I love about real estate in general is the vast majority of people who are in this business are willing to help you. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Samson Jagoras. Samson is joining us from Windsor, Colorado. He is a commercial real estate broker and vice president of strategic investments for Remax Commercial Alliance. Samson is the founder of Growth View Properties and Passive Power Group. His current portfolio consists of over $3 million of assets under management. Samson, how are you today? And thank you for joining us. Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I played a lot of sports at a really young age, found football when I was about 14 years old, did that for about 10 years of my life, which is how I ended up in Colorado. I played at the University of Colorado and I studied integrated human physiology. I thought I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. My grades pretty much determined that for me, trying to play football at the D1 level and maintain like medical school grades was not necessarily congruent, at least at my schooling capacity. And that's actually a really good thing because that just changed my path and my trajectory quite a bit. As I was approaching graduation, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I got an opportunity to join a futures and commodities trading firm. So heading into my senior year, I didn't even know what a future or a commodity was. But for those who are listening and don't know what that is, futures contracts are things like gold, crude oil, soybeans, wheat, corn, cattle, pigs, et cetera. So a lot of farmers use them to hedge their bets. It's also a very lucrative speculation market. So I joined in 2008 and about three months later, I was a newly crowned broker in September 29th, 2008 hit and the Dow Jones fell 777 points to set off officially the economic housing crisis. Obviously there was a lot building ahead of that, but when most people are running out of the industry, I stuck with it, did that for about four years. And it was the same time when the industry was really shifting, it was moving to uh, real-time quotes. So E-Trade and Charles Schwab and TD Ameritrade were all coming out with incredible trading software. So the age of a broker and needing a broker to call down to the floor and, and whatnot was not really there anymore. So we had to get competitive. So we started creating trading systems, doing more managed money. And that's great until you realize that the commodities markets pretty much trade 24 seven. So after several years of sleeping with a laptop next to my bed and waking up at one and two in the morning to watch markets like the coffee market open, you start to really question your quality of life. So I was going to leave and actually go be a financial planner when I was approached to join a fast growing marketing and technology company and did that for about nine years straight. And we took that company from 30 employees to just shy of 600 and a little over a hundred million. And officially in 2020, stepped out of that business after a long career as the chief strategy officer. Along the way, built a couple of businesses as well as a real estate portfolio. And now I'm full-time just putting together real estate deals. Let's talk about that real estate portfolio that you put together. What was that? We were mainly focused on single family and 
small multifamily stuff, mainly because that was the capacity that I had, right? I had to have all the money and I had to do everything myself. So heading into about 2018, we started to unwind some of our single family and townhomes and small multifamilies just because I could spend a good deal in recruiting, scaling up this marketing company. And when you're trying to hire 150 people a year, and you're looking at the statistics, largest expansion since World War II, you're looking at the fact that unemployment's at like 2.8%, you start to question how good can this go forever? So we started to unload that. And that's when I started putting together my team for multifamily and scaling up on that. Wait a minute. So you're questioning how far the real estate market can go, but you're diving into multifamily. Explain that to me, please. Yeah, that's great. So one of the things I learned just scaling up a company is the power of scale and the magnitude of just reaching critical mass and having single doors just doesn't afford you a bunch of scale. You're very subject to the market. You're subject to the local economy. You're subject to your one individual renter. And if we've learned anything going through COVID, that can cause a lot of chaos. So I started unloading the single family stuff and just looking to get more doors quicker at a single address so that I could get more scale. And most of the people probably listen to this, including yourself, just know that most of these large apartment complexes at hundred units or more can withstand economic vacancy of like 20%. Your break-even occupancy is 80% to really be able to ride it out for an entire year and not have to start paying the mortgage out of your own pockets effectively. So that was the draw to multifamily is just scale. Bigger is better. Even though it's more challenging, it's better. You said marketing company. You didn't say real estate company. Yep. Well, what's going on there? (laughs) Well, I spent most of my career in business development. So being good in the real estate world, especially multifamily, is literally just about building teams, systems, processes, and relationships. Like partnerships are probably one of the most valuable things that you can have in this business, whether that's with a broker, whether that's with a co-GP, whether that's with a JV opportunity. At the end of the day, it's just business acumen. Business breaks down into three things, sales and marketing, operations, HR and finance. And so if you can define roles and responsibilities that you can play within the ecosystem, you can get into multifamily. You don't necessarily have to be this super successful operator with a bunch of money or have had your windfall in some other way in order to get into the business. Interesting. So in 2020, you decided you're going into multifamily syndication and you're treating this as any other business startup. You're not overly passionate about multifamily or real estate in general. You're passionate about growing a business. I do love real estate. I love the hunt, right? I love finding the deal, gaining the edge on somebody, seeing something that they don't see. Having that one key relationship we're looking at, a 252 unit, $41 million deal right now. We're one of three groups that is putting eyes on it because it's not fully marketed. I love that. That came off the back of a relationship. And I'm a people person. I love building things. So stepping out of marketing and technology after nine years was so attractive was to go build something from scratch and scrap it out like we did in the old days, nine, 10 years ago when we were starting up the marketing and technology company. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, investors, 
and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget to actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. Winning deals, that comes from your competitive football days, huh? You got to <laughs> yeah. win a deal. Yeah, within reason, right? It's all about risk management. It's pretty crazy to see what people are willing to pay right now and the cap rates that they're willing to pay at. But like we used to say in the trading world, the market always needs another sucker. I'm just not going to let that sucker be me. <laughs> how are you finding deals today? I'd say the majority of the market is controlled by brokers. I had a conversation the other day with a, a guy. He was really excited about this meeting he had with this owner. He's a 91-year-old guy. A guy had 3,000 units, and he really felt good about their conversation, like he was going to get a great deal. And immediately after that, he toured a property with a broker and told him about that. And the broker said, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I've been taking him out for the last five years and probably met with him about 25 times. And I don't ever think that I'm going to be able to get one up on the broker who's been building this relationship for a really long time. That said, a lot of times the broker has the deal and he's going to shop it exclusively to a handful of groups that can close because the brokers just care about one thing, which is, can you close? What do you do to establish those relationships with brokers? Do you spend the five years interacting with the brokers? Brokers are funny. (laughs) Oh, tell me more. We always say brokers are like Tinder. You want to date a lot of them. Your property managers, those are like a good marriage. You're going to be with them for a very long time. But a broker cares about who's on your team, your experience and your track record, which is the power of partnerships. He also cares about equity sources and where you're actually going to be getting the money from to close the deal. And then you got to make face with those guys. You actually got to show up into the markets where you want to invest and tour properties and put faces to the name and make offers and follow through on your commitments that you said you were going to do. Nothing irritates a broker more than just tire kickers, right? People just kicking the can down the road and never pulling the trigger on stuff. So you got to have all those ducks in a row before you really get in there and start talking to brokers. How do you not become one of those tire kickers if a broker presents a deal to you that you don't close on for whatever reason? Why should they come back to you or what do you do to make them keep bringing you deals? Just over communication. So if you're not going to move forward and submit an LOI on something, you're communicating to them why you're a pass or 
why it doesn't fit in your deal box or how you are struggling to get to the price that they're really looking for. And, and then when you do make an offer, it's incredibly important if it gets accepted to actually follow through on that. So some of the ways you can overcome that are putting hard money down day one. But at the end of the day, a broker doesn't want anybody who's going to leave them at the altar, which just makes them look bad to their seller. And then there's a lot of wasted time and effort that they have to go through to get it back on the market or go chase down whoever came in second place. We actually just went through that where we didn't get picked for best and final and the group couldn't actually close. So they came back to us, which puts the broker and the seller in a pretty tight spot because at that point you're a little bit over it and you don't actually need the deal. So you can push your weight around a little bit where currently it's a seller's market. And when you're going into best and final, it's the weight's usually more on the seller's side. Samson, a lot of people build CRM systems and they have people that own multifamily units so that one day they can get an off-market deal. Do you essentially have that for brokers? Do you just have a database of brokers that you track yeah, we have a, we do call on owners directly, just knowing that that's a long road to get there. We call on family offices and then we call on brokers and build those good relationships. And we actually have someone on our team who's dedicated to just deal sourcing and broker relations, who's just constantly reaching out to those brokers, building relationships and trying to get more deals from them. What's an example of a deal where you lost money and what were your lessons learned from that? deal where you lost money. I don't think I've ever effectively lost money. Maybe just didn't hit the returns that I was anticipating. So for those of you who don't know about futures and commodities, they're highly, highly, highly leveraged. You're talking 10 to one, sometimes 20 to one in a lot of cases. And I had a good mentor at a really young age in my career in investing. He said, you're going to lose and you're going to be wrong a lot more than you're going to be right but your winners will far exceed your losers. It's all about managing your downside. So after living through 2008 and watching people take their account from 25,000 to a million and a million back down to 25,000, you realize that everybody's a genius in a bull market. And that you could have effectively over the last 10 years, you closed your eyes and pointed at any market or any property and been right until you're wrong. So we spend a great deal of time just analyzing our downside risk and ensuring that we have really good contingencies and uh, really good margins built in to be wrong and still effectively be right and make sure that our investors are getting paid. What types of returns do your investors achieve? So the goal with acquisitions and light to moderate value add repositioning, you know, you're going to be looking at anywhere from a 12 to 15% IRR, and you're going to be looking from anywhere from a six to 8% pref, depending on the deal. And then annualized, you're going to get, let's call it mid-teen annualized returns. And then your cash on cash is going to be like 5 to 7%. And is the 6 to 8% preferred return, is that a guaranteed return? It is. What's your biggest lesson learned with interacting with investors? I think the vast majority of people who are getting into passive real estate investments are not sophisticated professionals. So especially through those first few deals, it takes a little bit of handholding. You really have to educate them on the process and how it works. We like to buy a specific flavor of real estate and do that on repeat because it makes it really easy for your investors to get comfortable each time if you're bringing them a similar type of property, whether it's in Oklahoma City or Memphis, Tennessee, they just know what to expect. It can be 
a little bit more challenging if each time you're having to build a new thesis and re-educate them on why this is a good deal. And if you had to do it all over again, would you have gone into real estate right away? I would have, but I didn't really have any good examples in my life of entrepreneurs. My dad was an incredible craftsman and spent a lot of years of building homes and helping other people build real estate. He's an incredible builder. Tried a few times to launch his own business, but I didn't have anybody around me who was an investor or an entrepreneur. And it wasn't until I got out of college and started getting into investing and really figuring out my lane of what types of investments and assets that I like to be in that I found real estate. And then just through a lot of education and beating my head against the wall and put seven to 10 years in it, finding good partners, I can officially say that there's no other asset class that I like to invest in. I don't get geeked out about stocks, interested in crypto, have a little crypto position, but I'm not touting it to the masses. I think everybody at some degree should be owning real estate. We're in a capitalistic society and the government relies on us to do two things, which is create jobs and to maintain housing. And if you do that, you're going to receive the maximum benefits of the tax code. Samson, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice ever is partnerships. It is incredibly, incredibly important, especially if you're early on, to establish incredible relationships with people who already have a track record. One of the things I love about real estate in general is the vast majority of people who are in this business are willing to help you because they all remember what it was like when they didn't have any track record or they didn't know anybody. And I haven't yet to come across anybody who didn't want to help me in some way, shape or form. I love that. And I got to share a story. That's one of the things I love about real estate. But over the years, I've talked to some coastal real estate investors, both East Coast and West Coast, and they were shocked that I gave away all of my secrets And I was shocked that that was an epiphany to them. So I asked him, do you guys not collaborate and share amongst your colleagues? And he said, no, the funny thing is a lot of my friends are investors. And when we get together, we ask, what are you working on? And they're like, oh, you know, working on this and that, got some things going on, but they don't ever talk about what they're doing and they don't want to share advice, which is foreign to me. And it sounds like it is to you as well, because part of what makes real estate so awesome is the camaraderie and other people's willingness to share and mentor you. We've all had mentors in real estate, and I'm sure you mentor the new up-and-coming class. And that's one of the fun things about real estate. I agree, 100%. So that being said, you've mentioned partnerships a number of times. What do you do to cultivate and find partners? Oof, man, that's always comes down to just adding value to somebody else. One of our very key partnership groups is out of New York. They are a longtime multifamily operator, 40 years in the business. Dad did it, son did it, nieces and nephews now all do it. They property manage and they own multifamily in New York, but they have a really big problem, which is they have not been able to transact in several years because a lot of the stuff in New York just doesn't pencil and make sense. And it's becoming harder and harder and harder to operate in New York. So they're trying to find ways to diversify and get into other markets where, lo and behold, we've already made end roads. So being able to leverage their track record, as well as some of their key relationships for equity partnerships and people who want to place capital, creates a really symbiotic relationship. And they become great friends. Every time I talk to them, I feel like I learned something. Because they're managing properties in one of the most challenging regions, I think, in the country. 
And we were looking at a deal this week in Oklahoma, you know, and their expectation on delinquencies, when I told them the delinquencies were 2%, was like, there's no effing way, right? They're like, you better go back to the broker and get clean up the rent roll. That's wrong. But that is invaluable experience. It's like, okay, we need to pay a lot of attention to delinquencies, even though it's not a big deal in this market, it is a big deal to them. So let's just tighten up that loose end and make sure it's really well. So it just comes down to adding value to those people and to what you just said a minute ago. Be willing to take that phone call and connect and reach out. And you'd be amazed at how many people just want to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And fair disclaimer, I'm not picking on all coastal people. I grew up in Jersey, so I understand the mindset, (laughs) but it's just less frequent that you'll see that mindset in the Midwest than you will on the coast. What's an example of a partnership struggle that you've had? When I was first originally building my team, I'm really good at this communication, people, strategy, kind of building the unit, getting people in the right seat and putting them in a position to win and be successful. I can underwrite, but it's not my strength. I don't get energy from underwriting. Put me in a pro forma and I can understand what's going on and understand it and read the equations and all that. But to sit down and transfer T12 data into it and model it and pull up all the CoStar data and all that, I just want to go jump out a window after a while. So it was finding some people to backfill that and people who were willing to have some delayed gratification to say, hey, I'm willing to leverage my skill set in order to be a part of what you're building here in exchange for short-term cash or income. So it was just finding those right people. And you go through a few people and you have to let some people go and cut them out of the team. But the cool thing is each deal can be its own little business. So you don't have to get too married to any one person too early. It's like, hey, let's see if this works and see if we like working together, even just do one deal. And if we don't, we don't have to do another deal together. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Do you manage your own rental properties? If you do, or if you're about to, I want to tell you about Rent Ready because I'm guessing they have some services that you wish you had. Rent Ready is a property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. With Rent Ready, you're able to collect rent online and get paid. Find the perfect tenant with the built-in screening and listing service and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using Rent Ready's app too. They can pay rent using the card, ACH, cash. They can set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it. And they can even build their credit score through Rent Ready's new credit reporting feature. And the best part, Rent Ready is unlimited. That's right. All this is flat priced. There's no tricks or hidden fees. Rent Ready is designed for investors who manage their own properties so that you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And Rent Ready has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the best ever listeners. You can get Rent Ready's annual plan for only 54 bucks at rentready.com when you use our special code BESTEVER. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com with the code B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R at rentready.com to get Rent Ready's annual plan for only 54 bucks. Did you know that credit checks miss 85% of the information landlords and property managers need to verify new tenants? That's a problem. The solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a platform that allows you to instantly access prospective tenants' financial information and compiles it all into a quick and easy-to-read report to help you select the highest quality tenants. 
you can access income, payroll, past rent payments, non-sufficient funds, and overdraft history all in one place. Rentify's reports instantly verify the full financial picture of the tenant, so there's no chance of being duped with false information. No one likes to be duped. And the best part is that you can have it all at your fingertips in as little as five minutes. Go check out Rentify at TrustRentify.com and stop wasting time and start fast-tracking the tenant screening process with confidence and ease. With Rentify, you'll no longer have to waste hours or even days collecting all the information you need to verify a tenant, which makes life easier for you and your applicants. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first purchase. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y.com and put in the promo code FAIRLESS. That's my last name, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first purchase. It seems like you can read people pretty well. Do you have them fill out personality profiles or do any kind of personality tests? Yeah, we definitely used strength finders just to figure out where people are really strong and then disc tests to figure out people's personality types. I'm a really high I, if you don't know what that is, it's just, it just means I'm really outgoing and I love people and I'm pretty moderate on everything else. I'm, I'm like right in the middle where my partner, who's really good at underwriting, he is incredibly analytical, not a very dominant personality, not a very uh, high influential type of personality. So we work really well together because we offset each other and balance each other out really well. And Samson, if not everyone knows what some of these things are like disc test, can you explain that to our audience? Yeah. So a disc test is really just taking personality profiles and breaking them into four key characteristics. And you have a dominant, influential, I think it's specific and courteous. I can't even remember. It's been a while since I looked at these. Put me on the spot, Ash. Yeah. But essentially it's knowing what motivates somebody, where they're comfortable and really just who they are. And that helps you position them on your team. Yeah, we use the EOS system to really operate our business. What is that? It's the entrepreneurial operating system. And the whole thesis behind the entrepreneurial operating system is getting the right people in the right seat. And you measure people off of, do they get it? Do they want it? And are they capable? So you you might have people who really want it, but they're just not capable because it's the wrong position for them. So personality profiling and strength finding are really good at helping people kind of figure out what their roles are. I think within one of the appeals to like a multifamily business and being an operator is very scalable. You don't need a ton of people to really do it. I've been inside personally of a 600 person company and been responsible for 16 direct reports and 350 marketers. And at a certain point, you just spend a lot of time managing personalities So if you can get really clear really early on on who are the players and what seats they need to be in your business, you can build a $500 million asset center management portfolio and have five, six people on your team. Yeah, that is a great outlook. And I can't stress the importance of knowing what somebody's personality is, because while they may appear to be outgoing in the beginning, it may not be truly who they are at the core. And the personality tests will often define that these are people that like to be heads down, undisturbed, work with given tasks and they're task masters, which is great, but they're not the people that are going to go do sales for you or do investor calls. So it's good for you for recognizing that and implementing that. 
Samson, are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. Let's do it. Samson, what's the best ever book you recently read? Best ever book I recently read would be Extreme Ownership. That book is just incredibly powerful about the importance of personal accountability. And it really is the differentiating factor in successful people and unsuccessful people. Is yeah, everything, great example of leadership. There. Everything's your fault and nothing isn't your fault. Yeah. Samson, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I spend a lot of time with my church. I have a brokerage license. I'm really good at commercial real estate, but I don't wake up in the morning and get jacked about being the best broker on the planet. I do like giving my time to really meaningful organizations and causes and just doing that pro bono. So working with churches and nonprofits to find space, whether it's be to lease or to buy or purchase, I'm working on some cool things in Northern Colorado. Surprisingly, it's a beautiful, incredible place to live, but we have the third highest suicide rate in the entire country. And some of that comes down to there's a lot of affluence, and a lot of money and some addiction issues. So working with some addiction recovery as well. Just giving back and helping people, man. I just love people. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And Samson, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Well, I'm really active on LinkedIn and I'm really active on Instagram. If you want to check out what we're doing as a group, you can check out The Growth View. That's thegrowthbue.com and learn more about the types of deals we're putting together and even join our database and our list to start getting some of our distributions, learn about some of our new deals that are coming down the pipeline. Samson, thank you for being on the show today and sharing your story in a very short time using the power of partners. You've built an incredible company. So thank you for sharing your advice with us. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. Have a best ever day.